Hey everyone, welcome to the Reading Project Podcast. I'm super excited because today I'm going to be interviewing Melissa Muir from Melissa is Teaching on Instagram. And I just love doing these interview episodes. I love introducing you to other educators out there in the world doing amazing things. And I love just working with other educators in this way. So Melissa is a wife and mom to four kids, ranging from age nine all the way down to three years old. She's originally from Virginia, but has actually been living in South America in Ecuador for the past 10 years. She has her master's in the art of teaching from the University of Virginia and has taught in public, private, and international school settings, along with teaching online for the past four years. She currently teaches privately and on a platform and also provides teacher coaching opportunities for online teachers. All right. I'm excited to dive in and get started with Melissa today. We're going to be talking about teaching, reading, and living bilingually in a home. All right, let's go. Welcome to the Reading Project Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Ashley DiMercurio from Your Reading Tutor, LLC. I am a private reading tutor, podcaster, virtual summit host, and business mentor. I'm also a wife and a homeschooling mama to my two kiddos. My mission is to help families, caregivers, and educators build stronger and more confident readers one episode at a time. I want you to know that you don't have to be a teacher to help your struggling reader. Over the last few years, I have helped dozens of families and students, including my own son, move from being reluctant to confident readers. And I'm here to show you that you can too. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the podcast. I'd love to know you're out there. So take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and share it on Instagram. Tag me at your reading tutor. Okay, let's do it. All right, everyone, let's jump into today's episode. So welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Okay, so why don't you start by telling us just a little bit about yourself, your your background, and sort of your experience related to education. Sure. I'm originally from the great Commonwealth of Virginia and have four kids and my husband, and we currently live in Quito, Ecuador. We homeschool each of these kids and it's been a fun journey to get there. I did not grow up thinking I would homeschool my kids ever. That was a journey in itself, but my education background comes from the University of Virginia. I got my master's in the art of teaching from there and then taught at a public middle school for gifted kids, was teaching Spanish actually, then moved here, got married and taught at an international school as an ESL co-teacher and learned, kind of cut my elementary school shops there because I was in middle school before. And then after that, we started having kids every two years. And so I decided to stay home and we've been homeschooling since, but I have been teaching online. I teach kids maybe from six to 18. Um, so I've got uh, quite a range, but really enjoy just exploring the, how we can involve literacy and reading in pretty much any topic that we're exploring. So it's been a fun, fun yeah. adventure to figure that out. Awesome. Thank you. I agree. I know I'm always like whatever we're doing with our kids thinking about how does this connect to literacy, you know, how exactly. is related. So I get that. So we're homeschoolers also. So I always like to know, you know, maybe if you would be willing to share a little bit about why you decided to homeschool or what you love about homeschooling. Sure. Um, We, my husband and I kind of decided early on, you know, we've 
I've got my valid teaching license from Virginia. And so looking at that legally, that was, it's, it's actually a very easy state to homeschool in and being here in Ecuador, it was either work over a pretty large chunk of our monthly earnings to go to a private school. And the public school option just wasn't an option for us because we wanted a bilingual education. We live bilingually and by live, I just mean, you know, we both speak our native language at home. So I speak English to our kids. My husband speaks Spanish. We also wanted to free up some of our finances in order to pay for their interests. So we wanted to add a third language. My kids take French online, other activities like ballet and art and science and stuff like that. So it was a really, gosh, I don't know, kind of an easy choice that we just walked into. And then it started going well. And we were like, let's just keep going. So we don't really have an end in mind and it's gone well so far. So this is where we are. And my kids are nine, seven, five, and three. And so we're in the thick of it with the older kids and then kind of uh, honing our craft uh, with the younger kids and kind of paring it down and figuring out what works with the younger ones. Yeah, absolutely. I know with our oldest, when we started homeschooling, I feel like the first year was sort of like so much experimenting, even, you know, I, I like assumed I'd be good at it because I have a teaching background and I had teaching license and I was a teacher and, but homeschooling is not the same as teaching in a classroom. No, it's not school at home. It's it's education in another context completely. Absolutely. So we had to have a whole year of like experimenting and trying different curriculums and different ways of learning. And, um, it took a, there was a lot of learning in those first few years. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I'm with you. (laughs) But I feel like this year, so he's going into fifth grade this year and I feel we started when he was in first grade. So I feel like this is our, I feel the most confident going into homeschool now. Yeah. Very good. It's nice. It's nice to have that, that calm. Exactly. Definitely. So what is it like teaching reading both to your own children and, you know, when you're working with students and you're thinking about like languages and that you're bilingual, like how does that impact the way you teach reading and even how does it impact the way and I guess even the pace of how your children learn how to read? Yeah, I think something that even I learned as a second language learner is, you know, the anxiety needs to come down anytime. Mm-hmm. And the, the fancy word for it is our effective filter. You know, it's that anxiety that kind of comes up and we get tongue tied. We want to lower that as much as possible. So reading on the couch, settled up with their blanket, having a reading buddy, like a stuffed animal with us, reading not at the counter where we do math work, you know, mm-hmm. reading somewhere else, make it a special, make it a, um, a fun kind of loving thing. Obviously that's a little bit different in the classroom with my students, but the idea is the same. We mm-hmm. joke, we try to keep it fun. We try to keep the t- the topics interesting and relevant to them mm-hmm. um, as much as possible. Bilingually, I think probably the best advice came from another homeschool mom. Isn't that always the case for like, yeah. <laughs> you know, we just pass these little nuggets of wisdom on to everybody else. But her name is Christina and she had three kids who were just a little bit ahead of me. And she said, okay, we're bilingually, bilingual as well. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what I suggest. Teach them English reading in English first. Mm -hmm. Uh, English is ridiculous in terms of linguistics, as we all know. And so, you know, pH equaling F is just kind of a crazy concept for a four, five, six-year-old to to grasp. And so teach them English first. Once Once they are reading at a good level, then add in Spanish and their eyes just light up and they go, oh, this is easy. 
<laughs> because Spanish is this one-to-one, -one, pretty much uh, every letter, every symbol represents a sound. And a lot of Spanish reading is taught in syllables, ma, ba, ta, la. And so they very quickly pick up the Spanish reading without much direct instruction. You know, we're not sitting down, you know, really digging into a lot of those skills. After that comes, you know, comprehension and making sure that we're really getting what we're reading and not just stop making the correct sounds. But I think that was really the best advice I got. And also how we weave that into our day. You know, we happen to read uh, the Bible together at night. And so we have one in English and one in Spanish. They read that English Bible with me. Um, however, my husband actually is getting a little bit better with his English. And so he's been reading the English version to our kids. And so it's fun to see them be kind of sympathetic listeners to their dad and, yeah. um, and encourage him too. It's really fun to be like, yeah, dad, you got it. So it's cool to see how we can kind of weave that in to our daily routine and not have it just be during, you know, in quotes, school hours, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you mostly teach Spanish just through life and living? Or do you feel like, do you also set aside like Spanish class time? No, we're mostly just living that life. We like many South American Latino families, we live in um, the same property as my mother-in-law and my husband's aunt. And so they speak Spanish every day with Abuelita and Tia. And so having that and also, I mean, and they're also very thoughtful adults. So I think it's awesome for them to, you know, have the, yeah. I don't know, uh, backup, I guess. They're kind of like our backup is like, hey, tell me what you did today in school with mom. And that was all in English. And so Tia's getting the Spanish version of it. And so it's right. kind of nice to see them rehashing the same thing. And also, I guess maybe the one more direct way that we do it is uh, with our two oldest girls who are nine and seven right now, they do some writing. And I think something important, you know, we often hear the phrase, good readers make good writers, something that they absorb, they absorb that really good literature mm -hmm. and then the grammar and whatnot that comes with it. But with our oldest two, we've given them a Google Doc, you know, in our Google account, our drive. And um, they, depending on their grade, the oldest is in fourth grade, the, young, the second youngest is in second, they write that many sentences. So four sentences in English, and then they need to translate it to Spanish themselves. Mm -hmm. And that, I cannot claim any genius for that. It was just like, hey, I think this is probably a good idea, but it's actually worked really well. Actually, it's worked so well. And um, they will edit themselves almost. So I will mm -hmm. sit down. I won't do it every day. I will not claim to be that <laughs> good of a, a corrector, but every couple of days we'll kind of sit down and be like, oh, look, you're spelling acid with an S instead of a C. And then they'll say, hey, sister, how do I, how do I say park in Spanish? And they help each other out. So it's a really, I don't know. It's one of those things. Maybe you've seen this with your kids too. Like just the bond of like, we're in this together. We're classmates, but we're not. Um, and kind of seeing that, that kind of community aspect of it as well. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Have you seen any of the Spanish work that you're doing, like mix in when you're teaching reading with your younger kids? Like, do you feel like, because I imagine your younger kiddos are picking up Spanish at at the same time as they're learning English to speak anyway. Yes. And linguistics, linguistically speaking, that should almost always work. You know, that yeah. kind of blows our minds as adults who maybe grew up monolingual. Um, but linguistically speaking, you, you can't do that. And it does not almost always, it does not um, have an effect unless there is 
usually a uh, learning disability, which you're not going to really find out until later on down the road. So that's really yeah. the only case where this doesn't work as well. But at least for now, it's worked well for us. And um, the idea that they are picking it up at the same time has really helped. I think it's also kind of like an anchor that we can use. I actually do this with our three-year-old who's kind of starting pre-pre-K this year. I've always used the ASL sign language alphabet to teach them the alphabet and it gives us an anchor. So, you know, I'm, I'm for those of you listening, I'm holding up my hand in an A. Yeah, this is yeah. A. Do you know what the word, in, the, the name in Spanish for this letter is? Ah, ah, okay, yeah. And so later on, that's our anchor. We come back and I'll hold up my hand and go, Ah, yeah, that's what's next. Hey. And so it kind of gives us an anchor to come back to. For the older kids, same thing for them. You know, we'll be reading a book in, in English with a vocabulary word that comes up in the book. And hey, what's this? And I will use the Spanish word to anchor them back to what they already know. And now as they learn French, French is surprisingly easy when you know English and Spanish. And so they use those anchors to kind of come back to later. So it's kind of this like uh, the yeah. gift that keeps on giving, um, once you've got these little anchors to base, you know, the rest of your language mm-hmm. skills off of. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard that once you have, you know, become basically fluent in a second language, you know, it's a lot easier to go absolutely. from there. So that's really cool. So our family, we've decided this year to actually like really commit to learning Spanish and integrating it into our, our homeschool curriculum because both, I took a lot of Spanish, um, you know, in school. And then I did a, like an immersion program in high school in Costa Rica where I lived with the family and yeah. And then my husband has his family has have learned Spanish and his stepmom's like fluent and his sister's fluent. They've worked in Spanish speaking countries. And so it's really interesting that we both have like, you know, this like foundation, like in the way back there, but we really haven't been using it much lately, but anyway, it's definitely coming back and we're actually using, um, Duolingo to, the app Duolingo to sort of help yeah. us get started, but maybe afterwards you can give me some suggestions for like sure. curriculum because we, um, we definitely were kind of just like learning alongside them. So for me, I started right unless a lesson one, cause I was like, well, I'm just going to start right where they are. Even though I know some of this already, I know the greetings and counting mm-hmm. and all that, but, but my husband did like the assessment where it puts you in at your level. And he, he actually knew quite a lot of the basics. He remembered it, you know? And so yeah, yeah. it was pretty interesting. So well, and Duolingo is fun. Cause it's kind of gamified. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's a, absolutely. it's, it's absolutely not perfect. Like any other ed yes. tech as we all know, but um, yes. it's one of those extra tools. And I am, I'm the queen of free when it comes to, you know, ed tech tools and, and what we add in. So things like freckle, you can change the settings to make it in Spanish. And so oh, I've done that for our kids periodically. They do the free version of freckle and yeah. um, it's just, you know, math, reading, com- reading, comprehension, math facts, adapted math, stuff like that, but you can change everything to be in Spanish as well. So I might, I do that periodically just to surprise yeah. them. Yeah. That's really cool. And I was just looking at Epic books for kids. Cause I have a subscription to that for teaching. And I saw they have all kinds of Spanish content. And I thought, Oh, well, that's cool. Sometimes my daughter, she's six. She will just to watch, like if there's a Barbie show that's like available on Netflix, but it's available in Spanish and it's not, she'll just watch it in Spanish. That's awesome. No, we do that. We do that every night for um, like 20 minutes. They'll watch an episode of Caillou in, in French and all four do that. And so they at least kind of come into French class when it's their turn with a little bit of a, an understanding, but no, there's so many, 
so many, I, and you know, Raz kids, dudes reading A to Z, they have so much in terms of, you know, English, Spanish, French, Polish, Ukrainian. I mean, I, I every time I go in for my own teaching resources, I'm like, what? <laughs> how did, why is that? <laughs> but it's awesome. Um, and then lending libraries and stuff like that. So, uh, resources for days, but it's just takes a little bit of legwork to look around and see what's around you. And sometimes other families too, just to take off on that tangent, we have a few expat families here, which with gringa moms and Ecuadorian dads, and we do a show and tell public speaking class together. And this is a class I teach, you know, professionally, but I was like, I actually made it for our own kids first. And so we meet up for however long, there's no time limit, but we pick Mm -hmm. a theme and everybody shares one week in English. And then the next week we speak in Spanish. So it's kind of a fun community thing too. Yeah. So do you have any suggestions for bilingual families or families who want their children to speak another language when it comes to like, well, you already sort of gave us your best advice, right? Teaching the reading first and then getting that, but any other suggestions or things you would want to share with families out there? Yeah, I would say, you know, one of the things that my husband and I have always been very adamant about is that there's no shame associated with either language. So if we're in an all Spanish environment and they they want to say something in English, there's no shame there. And then vice versa, if we're in an all English environment, there's no shame to say something in Spanish. And then also seeing the privilege of getting to read in both languages. I think we've done that at least through our library here. Um, Unfortunately, unlike the US, there's no free public library where you can take books home. Mm -hmm. However, we do belong to a lending library where we pay my husband and I have a minimal fee and the kids pay 30 cents per book to check out. So they do their chores, they unload the dishwasher, they get 25 cents. And so they save up and, you know, they plan ahead. I want to get two books. I want to get three books this week. And they are then tying everything together and making it a privilege, making it something they look forward to rather than a chore. And then also just utilizing a lot of those resources that we talked about apps like Libby. I know I just gleaning from everything I've heard on uh, the Reading Project podcast, you have talked a lot about graphic novels, audiobooks, mm-hmm. tying the book to the movie. This is all, it all counts. There's nothing inferior about these things. Yeah. And so audiobooks on Libby is like my nine-year-old's jam. She just walks around with it. <laughs> so we, we've actually had to put a limit on it because just yeah, earbud time, but it there's so much stuff out there and it does mm-hmm. not cost an arm and leg. So it's it's a good thing to kind of Put your feelers out there, check out what is available to you and mm-hmm. what fits. And not everything fits every family, but um, mm-hmm. I think it is important to see what your family can do. And if you can get the same resource in English and Spanish or English and French or whatever two languages you're pairing, go for it. There's no limit to what you can do in terms of bringing both languages in. That's really cool. When you mentioned graphic novels, so my son loves graphic novels and loves audiobooks. And I hadn't thought of like looking for a graphic novel in Spanish. That would be a great way for him to sort of practice. And get your toes wet. I mean, there's not, there's not pages and pages. I know I, I still don't like reading in Spanish. I will admit, I still don't. I resist it whenever I can. It's something that, you know, we're not forcing you to do it, but it is getting your toes yeah. wet, getting, getting into it and seeing yeah. what you can, what can you experience through it. Yeah. That's interesting. I know my mother-in-law read the Reader's Digest type magazines in Spanish. That's what she has. So it's like not super long novels. I mean, I think she does yeah. read novels too, but that's what another way for like an, to get a small amount, like a magazine sure. type, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, National Geographic kids, I, we've got, um, the kids, we 
finally caved and got them their own computer. And so this is another tip. Fill your bookmark bar with all the kid-friendly sites. Everything that is open to them, National Geographic Kids, Libby, uh, Epic, we were talking about before, like the library, Mm -hmm. online library, Oxford Reading Tree is something that we've used before. And so all of these things are on there and they're just open to them and they can you know, explore. And it's, it's pretty nice to be able to say, yeah, go for it. Click that link and look up whatever animal you want. And Mm -hmm. you can change it to Spanish sometimes too. So there's a lot of good stuff out there. I feel like that's just the the thing. Just never, never paint yourself into a corner and say, we are only doing this reading curriculum, only doing this Spanish curriculum. There's, there's so much you can add in. That's great. I think we live in a, you know, we're lucky to live in a time when Mm -hmm. it is so accessible. I mean, I remember like trying to get like Rosetta Stone on D- like CDs to learn, you know, <laughs> and now it's just right at our fingertips all the time. So we should, we need to take advantage of that and learn more languages. So I'm curious what you think, or what's your opinion on parents who are thinking about putting their kids into a, like a bilingual school. So like in the United States, I've had people ask me, what do you think about, I'm thinking of put, enrolling my child in a bilingual school where they are half the days in Spanish, half the days in English or whatever, but they are English speakers at home. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have any opinions or thoughts? I know I'm putting, putting you on the spot with this one. No, it's fine. I would say, yes, do it, <laughs> do it, do it. However, I would say back it up with your own work. You know, this is what we don't want to hear is that there may be some extra work on your part, you know, and I think the extra work in quotes right now would be doing some of the work alongside of them, checking Mm -hmm. along, learning, educating yourself. If you have zero of the second language that they're learning, try your best and hop on Duolingo, hop on um, Mm -hmm. one of these other apps just so that you can contribute a little bit. You know, hey, I think that's pronounced like this instead of like that. You know, something like that so that you can show that you're invested as well. This is going to pay off dividends, I think, later on, because then you'll be able to invest in the community. Maybe there are community days in your bilingual program. I have one of my very good friends that I taught with here now lives in Omaha and teaches at a bilingual school and um, just has, she is the Spanish teacher there, but it was very cool to see how she really brought in the community aspect of it in terms of like, you know, lawn signs in Spanish and stuff like that to show your pride in taking, taking on this new language. So I think there's a lot that you can do, but I think that will, that's one of the investments, even if you're not paying financially for it, but if you're Mm. enrolled in one of these programs, even if a public school program, I think that's one of the biggest investments you can make in a kid's future is giving them a second language. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you talked about just like taking the pressure off. That's, that's what I always say when it comes to reading. I encourage parents to take the pressure off and you you talk about lowering the anxiety. And I, I think that's really important with reading, just when you're teaching reading and, and if you're just doing it in English, but even more so, you know, in Spanish. And I was thinking, you know, I know a reasonable amount of Spanish at this point, but I am still nervous to like use it. <laughs> So it was interesting when you said that. And I thought, oh, that's me. Like, I kind of feel shy about saying like something in Spanish, even though I'm pretty sure I know what I'm saying, you know? And so I, it's kids feel that way too, you know? So one interesting thing is with that is recording yourself. We are cleaning out, I think, one of my old computers that I used when I was teaching in the U.S. And I was reading a book to my class in Spanish. And I go, oh my gosh, my accent was horrendous. Who let me teach these kids? And of course, I've lived in another country now for 10 years, use Spanish every day. So it's, it's this process. But it's one of those things where continually hearing yourself 
you're mm. going to make those corrections once you've been exposed to, you know, in quotes, quality Spanish or uh, good right. examples of whatever language you're learning um, that really helps you, you know, you're going to want to move toward that better pronunciation later on. And so I think don't discount the audio portion. Um, I think Raz Kids maybe has that as well, where they can read aloud and they can then re- hear themselves reading. And so it's one of those things where you can kind of map their progress perhaps um, throughout the year. And if parents are going to incorporate that into their homeschool, that's something that you can easily do with like a audio mic app on yeah. their on your phone or whatever. Keep that file, do it again in January and then do it again in June, see what happens uh, and how proud they are of, of what they've done. I think that's really cool too. That's a great tip. Awesome. Well, this has been a really great conversation. I, when you mentioned that we were going to talk about like language and I thought I was excited because we're, you know, like I said, we're trying to incorporate that more. I think living in South Carolina, we've been exposed to a lot of different cultures and a lot of different Mm -hmm. languages here where when we came from Vermont, it's not so much. You know, yeah. <laughs> not as much diversity in Vermont as there is here in South sure. Carolina. So watching my kids hear other languages on the playground and like saying to them like, oh, they're speaking this or they're speaking that. And it was really funny. We had this experience where we were at like a playground and they had like a Hansel and Gretel-ish type house. And my daughter, she said, oh, it's, it's Baba Yaga's house. And there was a woman there who was Russian. And she she was like, Baba Yaga, like she, she, she thought my daughter knew Russian. <laughs> I was like, nope, she just heard it on a fairy tale. Like, <laughs> but it was interesting, a great conversation about language because she didn't she didn't understand why she was being like singled out. And I was like, well, you're using this term that is not typically what American kids say, I guess. Exactly. So, exactly. Oh, really that's interesting. So cool. Anyway, so I love to wrap up every episode by talking about books and um asking my guests either to share a favorite childhood book or a book that you're reading with your own kids or students right now? Sure. Uh, well, with my oldest, uh, she started reading the mysterious Benedict society mm-hmm. and oh my gosh, I was like, I, I had just finished my own book. And so she was like, mom, you have to read this. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to read a kid's book, but like, okay. And so I fixed it up and I was like, this is amazing. And have read, you know, we've, we've read the whole series and we use Libby, the two of us, we share an account. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey, make sure you renew that. Cause I need to get the next, I need to read that one before you, before you return it. And so it's just been really fun to share that and kind of have a common language too. So it's a, a fun bonding experience for both of us. Yeah. And that's a series which I love. And there there's, it's a series of books and there's a show. So um, we started watching the show. It's a little, it has like a, it's a slow burn as we call it at my house, you know, <laughs> but very interesting for sure. So fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Where can people follow you? You know, if they're interested in, in seeing more of what you do. Sure. Um, I'm on Instagram. My handle is Melissa is teaching and same with Facebook. And I like to support teachers in using different platforms and educational technology. Great. Awesome. Thanks again. Absolutely. All right, everyone. That's it for today's episode of the Reading Project Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Melissa today. I loved how she talked about just taking the pressure off when it comes to learning to read and learning a new language, especially if you are uh, doing both of those things in your home at the same time, right? If your children are early readers, 
they're still becoming readers and they're also learning another language to try and just keep it fun and low pressure. And she also mentioned just taking the shame out of learning languages and learning to read, right? It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay if you choose to speak English in a Spanish environment or Spanish in English environment, right? Like just try to keep things low pressure when it comes to working with your kids with reading and language. She gave us a lot of great tips about how to access materials in Spanish or other languages if you are trying to learn a new language at home with your kids. I loved her tip about filling your bookmark bar at home of your computer, and she suggested filling that bar with kid-friendly links. So all of your, you know, ABCYA, your Raz Kids, whatever you want your kids to be able to access. So then you can let them click into those links and explore for both reading practice and language practice. All right, everyone. I hope that you're having a fantastic week. And if you enjoyed today's episode of the Reading Project podcast, please take a screenshot and share on Instagram and tag me at your reading tutor. I love to know you're out there and listening. So until next time, keep reading. Thank you all so much for listening. It truly means the world to me. If you love this podcast and have found it helpful and you want to help us reach more families, you could do one of two things or both. Just take a screenshot and text your three best friends or teacher friends, encouraging them to check out the podcast or take a moment and head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I love reading the reviews and hearing what you're enjoying about the show and how the show is helping you at home. And I'd love to be able to give you a shout out on the show and share your review with everyone. So thanks again. Until next time, keep reading.